Hey, y'all. Welcome back. This is Michael. Um, I, in, in preparing to uh, get uh, all of this new series uh, together and recording both a Facebook Live and attempting to record kind of a separate parallel audio uh, track in order to push to the podcast, I unfortunately neglected to do that for part two. So in the Mindful Empath series, you'll have the first one, which kind of lays the ground. You'll have part two, which is basically kind of um, uh, the now what portion. You know, now we recognize that we're an empath. What exactly does that mean? Um, and so that piece of it, I unfortunately missed. It was a foible on my part. And uh, if you have a desire to follow my train of thought there, pause this, go over to Facebook, uh, check out the page, and you can find video two for um, Empath 101, Now What? And that video is still available to watch. Um, but for our purposes today, we are going to move on to part three, the stories we tell ourselves. So there's a little bit of conversation about self-talk in here, and there's quite a bit of conversation about how physiologically we uh, feel our emotions within a very short span of time, and about how if we hold on to that a little bit longer than we should, that could have detrimental effects. So thanks for joining again, and listen to part three part three of the Mindful Empath series entitled The Stories We Tell Ourselves. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. I hope you are doing well today. It's a beautiful, sunny Sunday morning in Texas. Today is brought to you by a very vague big ass cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> so this is the regular stuff, but actually um, independence coffee. So it's a local uh, Texas coffee and I don't do flavored coffee very often. Good morning, Val. Uh, I don't do flavored coffee very often, but they have a Texas pecan that is probably my favorite coffee bean ever. Um, Good morning, everybody. I'm talking about my drink because I guess that's now a thing. I don't know. I did it the first two times. I guess it could very well not be a thing if I don't make it a thing. And ironically, that has a little bit to do with what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, but yes, I am still drinking my coffee. It's about yay much. It's a lot. So good morning, everybody. Um, Teresa, good morning. Mwah. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'll give it another minute or two. Hi, Paula. Yes, Texas Pecan. Independence Coffee. They have an online presence you can buy directly from them. Because when we were in severe lockdown, which it sounds like we might get back into a really, uh, a really controlled lockdown again. But uh, when that happened... I needed my Texas Pecan coffee fix, and they do have a um, an online presence directly to them, which is great. And it's, I think it's called Madeline's Backyard Pecan. Um, of course, us here in Texas can get it at, at HEB, but yes, you can get it online. I don't know why I keep on plugging drinks. It's not as if they're giving me any money, <laughs> but I've found it enjoyable uh, to share with you guys what I'm drinking. Um, especially when it looks like beer at nine o'clock in the morning, which anyway. Um, all right. It's three minutes in. Let's give it one more minute and then we will start up. Um, I will say this. I want to um, uh, kind of give you guys an idea of what, of kind of why I'm doing this and and what uh, maybe I hope to eventually uh, create out of this. So, I mean, after today, we are in the middle of doing this eight-week series. 
Um, and with each part, uh, there are additional kind of focuses that we could make or really dig down. And my hope is to, in the new year, turn this into a coaching curriculum. So, um, but y'all are kind of getting in on the front lines. That's why I really desire your feedback. I would love to hear what you guys have to say, uh, suggestions for um, little bits that I could that I could add, or maybe something that wasn't um, incredibly helpful for you that I could take out. Um, I am completely open to your suggestions as to how this could grow. This is kind of my, essentially a beta group for um, what I hope to launch in the new year uh, as a coaching opportunity for folks. So um, what you would get in that would be a lot of this content plus, plus obviously very specific one-on-one interactions and practices that we, uh, that we can do together and that I can share with you. Um, and that actually does bring me to uh, going ahead and kind of starting today. Because we're kind of in the middle here, um, today we are going to incorporate something that we haven't done in the first two parts. And that is we will do a guided meditation together towards the end. Um, the whole point of this, y'all, is that if you identify as empath or if that's still a little bit that's still a little bit nebulous that's still a little bit gauzy for you but you know that you're a highly feeling person um that can be that can be hard for folks that can't that 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 don't really embrace how uh, to manage their emotions and to be able to um, discern what's going on around them that that can be really hard and um it's not just about what we think. It's not just about how you change your mind about something. Uh, changing your mind about something can only go so far. Um, there is a very real embodied practice that goes along with being mindful and with being an empath. And I feel that it is um, part of what I'm supposed to be doing as a pastor and with this passion that I have about empathy and being an empath is to help folks kind of coalesce around some, some skills and some ideas and some things that we can do together and some things that you might uh, could do individually. So right around this time within the scope of what we're going to talk about for uh, the remainder of the um, I guess five weeks after today, we're going to start incorporating more skills, more uh, mindfulness practices, more disciplines. So um, that's just something about uh, how we're going to be going forward and uh, telling you a little bit about what we are going to do today. So today, we're going to talk about emotions and feelings and the the stories that we tell ourselves about our emotions uh, and how emotions and feelings are very distinct. And I think we might come to some understanding of how to maybe shift our perspective. Um, a lot of times we can't necessarily change the composition of what we are and who we are in the moment. Um, and a lot of times we get inside our head and start thinking that's impossible, that's too much, I'm too stuck. It's not really changing the composition of what you are. It is literally just shifting a little bit into the right or to the left and changing your perspective on, on what you're doing um, and, and how you're composed. But first, a quote. Hey, Lauren, thank you so much for joining. Um, this is a quote by Eleanor Brown, who is a novelist. Her, off, or, uh, her book, The Weird Sisters, um, 
I did not read the book, to be quite frank. I found this quote, and it I just it struck a chord with me, and I will be searching out this book, and I have a feeling a lot of my sisters, my sister witches, uh, might really dig this book from some of the reviews that I read. So Eleanor Brown, The Weird Sisters, is the name of the book. But this is the quote, and this is how we're going to start off. We all have stories we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves we are too fat or too ugly or too old or too foolish. We tell ourselves these stories because they allow us to pass off the responsibility for things we have done. Maybe to something within our control, but anything other than the decisions we have made. And it is past time, I think, for you to stop telling that particular story and tell the story of yourself. Stop defining yourself in terms of them. You don't just have to exist in the empty spaces they leave. There are times in our lives when we have to realize our past is precisely what it is, and we cannot change it. But we can change the story we tell ourselves about it. And by doing that, we can change the future. Deep breath. We define ourselves by the stories we tell about ourselves and by the stories that we let others tell about us. So let's talk a little bit about emotions. I'm going to, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead and then we're going to come back and reclaim or recapture uh, that concept. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, she's a Harvard-trained neuroscientist and the author of My Stroke of Insight. After some research and investigation and a lot of, and a lot of study, came to the conception that our physiological lifespan of an emotion is 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Physiologically, what we are experiencing within our body when we encounter any stimulus or any, or, 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 or trauma for that matter, or anything that is happening to us, the physiological response of that emotion is 90 seconds. So what does that say? Well, first, I think that we can plainly kind of delineate what is distinctly a felt emotion and what is a feeling we have about it. And this is where stories come into play. When I have the emotion of anger, I might get hot, I might clench up, my jaw can get tight, those physiological um, things that are happening in my body uh, kind of signal what the emotion that is rushing through me. If I hold on to that, if I start telling stories about that, if I start replaying that emotion and our experience of it, you then start holding on to it, perhaps a little bit too tightly. And when you're holding on to it, you start kind of ingesting the feeling or the memory of that one time you felt that emotion back then. And if there's anything that I can impart in regards to like the core, um, the core help the core uh, principle of mindfulness, it is to be present. It's to be here. And I understand this gets problematic. I understand that this really gets messy. And this is why both our uh, introspection, 
how we deal with our emotions ourselves and what I call, or actually Roman Kersnarek calls in his book about empathy, he, he uses the term outrospection. And so there is this concept of, I can understand more about me by understanding my relationships with others and how others see me. This does not give them the control with who I am. It gives me the power to recognize that my emotional state and my relationships and how I understand them, the stories that I tell about them is, is, is controlled and within my uh, focus or within my grasp. Um, the affective connection that we have with others as empaths is at the emotional, the gut, the instinctual level. Now, this is where there are some folks that probably will never, some, some, even, some even family members that will probably never click onto these videos or really ask me more about what I mean about being an empath. Because the, the funny thing is, is that I find myself grounding within the science, the humanity, understanding how we're built to be connected and how we're built to feel. There is nothing necessarily supernatural about what I am talking about. Being an empath is being a feeling person and allowing that connection to give you information about people and to empower your relationships. And so I understand uh, there's, there's a very esoteric part of this that is maybe a little bit harder to pin down. And there's a very scientifically based part of what it means to be an empath. And I feel like I'm I'm in the middle and, and, and I'm supposed to be there. And so I'm inviting people in to understand the power that within, literally, that they have to connect with others. So this is where the, the reason why I kind of, I, I discussed that a little bit is because what I wrote here can ruffle some feathers a little bit. And I'm fine with that because what I want to say is as empaths, we are not mind readers. It can feel like that sometimes, but we are not mind readers. We are emotional conduits. We are energy tamers, if you want to call it that. We can, within a nanosecond, perceive the, 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 the emotional state of the people and groups around us. Now, if we take that to its fullest extent, we realize that the relationships that we create and we dig into them and then we start asking questions, we start being curious, we start allowing ourselves to imaginatively step in their shoes and look through their eyes as best as we can. There's nothing supernatural about this. This is letting the energy of connection drive you into deeper relationships. Now, I will say there are some of us that perhaps have been thinking about this a lot longer, that as I've said prior, we are both a neurodiverse and biodiverse species. Not all of our nervous systems, not all of our brains are exactly the same. So yes, there are some of us where this comes maybe a lot more natural, where things happen and it feels supernatural, but it might not be. Magic is just science yet to be explained, is how I would kind of say that. So as we talk about our emotions and our stories, this is where I want to kind of dig in for the rest of our time here. Um, 
we story stories are important um stories are imperative the stories we tell about ourselves and our emotions can be both healthy and unhealthy if we recognize the continuum here i'm not of course i'm not lumping stories into the bad pile that anybody that knows me knows that that's not uh, necessarily my tack here my point is that as we're looking within our emotional life we can hold on to our emotions a little bit too long and not let them pass we don't let ourselves witness our emotions as much as we like to latch on to our emotions but stories themselves are very powerful and something that we need to remember about how our brains work as i've mentioned before we are a highly efficient thinking machine where connections have been made previously those connections stick and those stories remain let me see what val said Continue treatment for complex PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I mean, that brings something up that I think we're going to talk about in a little bit, Val. Thank you for sharing that. Um, the way in which we maintain our emotional health uh, allows us to hold on to our emotions maybe a little bit lighter. And so maybe the stories that we that we spin around that, maybe we just hold on to that a little bit lighter. Now, that's a story based on an emotion where, like I'm saying, we want to be a little bit more free flowing. When we turn and talk about how we're interacting with others, their story is their truth. And this is a challenge, especially in this particular political climate. There are stories that are uh, that reinforce their current emotions, and the reason is this: we have a many scientists call a negativity bias. Now, I'm not sh negativity, and I'm not just trying to to spin this because I'm generally a positive person. But um, when I looked at it and thought about it, I don't necessarily think that it's a negativity bias. It is a bias for safety. And anything that threatens that safety, we stay away from. And so this is the reason why a lot of scientists will, they'll say the brain is like Velcro for negative experiences, but Teflon, for positive ones because our brain back you know within like evolutionary history it was all about fight flight it was about survival they i found this quote as well that about the evolutionary imperative where it says mother nature evolved a brain that routinely tricked them into making three mistakes overestimating threats, underestimating opportunities, and underestimating resources. This is a great way to pass on uh, gene copies, but a lousy way to promote, to promote quality of life. So we are, we are magnificent creatures, incredible capacity uh, within our brain and within our body brain incredible capacity fundamentally it was created for survival we now i understand there are still survival issues for a lot of our friends and family uh, in this modern era of racism and prejudice and hate so there are some real concerns around safety and i don't i don't mean to minimize that but it's not exactly the same safety that we're talking about from an evolutionary perspective 
our brains are more likely to tie into the negative experiences and spin stories about them because they feel they they make us make safe decisions. That's not always a true story. Not now. It's we're just in a different time. So a lot about a lot of this is perspective. It is shifting our seat a little bit left to the right. It looked like I was dancing. It's about it's about just moving a little bit and recognizing and trying our best to observe what's going on rather than feel what's going on based on the stories that we have told ourselves. So that's the question. Can we observe and not interpret? Does that make sense? Can we observe something for the fact of the matter and not assume an interpretation or not create an interpretation around the why. I feel like as parents, many of us uh, who have children deal with this uh, on the daily. <laughs> we understand what it means to have to anchor our child to the reality of what's going on right now, to the fact of the matter, and to not spin out in emotional turmoil um, based on what's going on around them. Uh, this is not meant to say that we don't pick up our child and love on them when they're having a bad time. Of course we do. But I oftentimes will sit with Brooklyn and we'll talk about it. We'll say, you know, what are you feeling right now? Well, I'm feeling sad. Why are you feeling sad? Because somebody did something two days ago. Okay, so let's talk about that. I'm sorry that that happened. How can we can we do something the next time you see that person to encourage a better friendship? Um, but for now, is there a way that we can leave that Back then, we've observed that feeling, that emotion. Is there any way that we can leave that back there? It's not always possible. I'll be quite honest. It's not always possible. But as adults, I would hope that we have the ability to apply that type of reframing to what's going on around us. Um, a lot of Buddhist writing we'll talk about the witness uh, and the, the concept that we are, um, that we are an, an objective observer of our feeling. Like, oh, look, Michael's angry. How cute. <laughs> that was, you know, what, what's going on with that? That'll, that'll pass. And that, that sounds, um, that sounds maybe detached, and I guess from a Buddhist perspective it is. But I guess what my suggestion would be is that, and I've said this before, a, an idea, an ethos of detachment does not mean that we are, are not invested in our relationships or not invested in what's going on in front of us. In fact, I think it's quite the opposite. An ethos of detachment says, I am wholly invested in this moment, in this present moment, with what's going on right in front of me. And I'm willing to work it, I'm willing to work through it. I'm willing to understand and observe the emotion, maybe what's causing the issue. And I am willing to be a peacemaker, not only internally, but externally. I think that there's a real drive and passion around being so present within ourself and within our uh, families and neighborhoods and communities that we can do some really great work. And that's what's really the, the challenge here as we reframe a lot of the empath uh, conversation with mindfulness is to understand that the, 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 the main skill set that we are talking about, like 
Val was describing is the idea that a daily practice of presence keeping is only going to be helpful. It's going to allow us from a um, neurological standpoint, from a brain standpoint, it allows us to lengthen the time in between um, stimulus and reaction. And when we lengthen that time and our, our uh, do our best to kind of observe and step outside of, of that action. It allows us to realize all the things that happen between A and B, right? So mindfulness is quite literally, uh, it, it helps shrink our amygdala, which when we are in constant fight or flight mode, our amygdala is the part of the brain that secretes uh, adrenaline. It secretes um, cortisol, and cortisol is the primary stress hormone. And if we are in constant fight or flight, constant anxiety, we soak our brains in our in that stress hormone, and then that becomes the baseline. And I think that's a lot of what we're challenged with right now, right? When everything seems to be threat level 10, I'm not even sure that's a real threat level, but when everything seems to be ramped up with that high anxiety, we have nowhere to go beyond that. And so this idea of mindfulness, of meditation, of, of slowing down, um, of recognizing the stories the stories make us hold on to that emotion for longer than the emotion itself lasts. So the biggest part of this is um, ensuring that we recognize how our self-talk affects our own well-being. And that's why the passage from um, Eleanor Brown's book was so good for this uh, part of the series. Oh, thank you, Val. Um, yeah. I... I think that that piece of the of the book of the novel that I, I read earlier is so so important. Um, I mean, the lies that we tell ourselves. I mean, the ones that she calls out in there of you know you know we are too fat or too ugly or too old or too foolish. I've told myself I'm too old for trying to start something new like this. Um, I know a lot of my sisters have been told to stay in place, quite honestly. Um, I think that those stories are worthy of being of being left behind. And I see individuals, powerful individuals doing that for themselves. And I also see the institutions that and and the patriarchy, for that matter, that want to just slam those categories and those stories back into place. This is a moment in which the story needs to be rewritten. The story needs to be shifted. Um, and I think that we are coming to a point where a boiling point where enough people are on board with that, that some real change is going to occur. Now that might be painful and we will see when that comes down, but, um, or it is coming down. That might be painful, but it's, it's, it's going to be worth it on the other side. 
I said this the other day. Um, I think that I think that we it feels so volatile right now because we are getting to a tipping point, or if we haven't already gotten there. I know some of my wiser um, uh, and smarter friends that are probably watching right now could chime in on that. Um, I think this moment in time feels so perilous because those that are rising up to say no more of that old, harmful, hurtful, hateful story, we've got a new one. Um, that is, that's the reason for a lot of this turmoil. All right. It is 935, you guys. I feel like I, I want to do this meditation with you. Um, all in all, it might take, let me see, might take a little more than 10 minutes. So this might not be a full uh, hour today, but that's okay. I'll give you time back, as they like to say, and on meetings at work. Um, part of what this, and I said it earlier, I'll take a sip of my coffee, <clears throat> take a break. I said this earlier, but I think the biggest challenge when taking up this kind of conversation is to <clears throat> push through this concept, like I said, that all we're doing is, is changing our mind, um, changing our, our rational thinking, uh, changing our opinion, as we've talked about before in the neocortex, in that rational part of the brain is only a part of the equation. The larger formula for real, long-lasting, fundamental change is to connect what's happening in our body with that change in perspective. And one of the ways that we do that is through meditation. Now, meditation from a body standpoint, <clears throat> let me sit here, meditation from a body standpoint um, ensures that we are, I mean, you could be laying down. I prefer to be sitting with my feet flat on the floor. Um, so I'm going to talk about this for a couple minutes, and then we're going to actually uh, go into a meditation. So if you want to get yourself comfortable, please do. Um, I'm going to move the computer over here. So part of it is having your feet fat, uh, fat, <laughs> flat on the floor, um, making your chest as broad and wide as possible, your shoulders back, your head up. And there was a season a couple of years ago where I was taking Tai Chi and they, they talked a lot about kind of connecting in a linear kind of way uh, from your head down your spine, like down through the ground. And so if that visualization helps, I think that that is a beautiful way to keep you grounded and connected uh, to, uh, to what's going on around you and to the ground. So a kind of upright posture, shoulders back, chest wide open, kind of relax your shoulders. If you want to kind of loosen up your neck, Go a little bit left, a little bit right. Just breathe normal for now. Don't worry about changing the way that you're breathing. Forward, back. Then as we kind of jump in to a little bit of a guided meditation, I invite you to Close your eyes for a moment. Just kind of softly let them shut. If you see a little bit of light come through, that's good in my mind. 
allows us to stay connected. One of the things that I really kind of rail against when it comes to mindfulness and meditation is that you are removing yourself from the world. No, we can't do that. Part of really, in my mind, grounded um, being, grounded disciplines, encourages recognizing where you are. Um, you don't always have the benefit of retreat. And so mindfulness in a moment of chaos is uh, helpful. Now, of course, it's good for the mind and the body and the brain and the stress to be able to get away every once in a while. But I would challenge that I think try finding true practical disciplines uh, means encouraging taking time uh, in your day where you don't necessarily have the ability to cloister away. I'll stop talking now. <clears throat> Actually, I'm not, because I'm about to do a guided meditation. Deep breath. Feet flat on the ground. Back straight, shoulders back. Eyes softly closed. Now I want you to concentrate on your breath. Keep it normal and natural. And I want you to notice how it goes in and out. In and out. In and out. Keep breathing. Now I'd like for you to bring to mind a difficult or troubling feeling from the recent past. It might be a situation that harbors an intense emotion. It could be sadness, it could be fear, it could be anger, it could be shame. Try to bring to mind that moment, that emotion. Now, to your best ability, I'd like for you to recall the situation, maybe even the story you've told yourself about it. So you can observe the emotion, but maybe you made an interpretation of what it meant. I want you to think about both. Do you sense this in your body? Do you feel it? Does your mouth go dry? Do you have a lump? <clears throat> Do you have a lump in your throat? Or a bit of pain in your stomach? Are you clenching your teeth? Did your shoulders raise up to your ears? How is your heart? Is it beating a little bit faster? How about your breathing? Is it a little bit more shallow?
if you can sense the emotion in the body, it gives you a concrete way to disengage from the story you might have told yourself about this emotion. And it allows you to observe the emotion's changing nature. Hold on loosely to that emotion. Has it changed since it occurred? Is it hotter or is it cooler? Is it bigger or is it smaller? Now I want you to focus on the part of the body where you presently feel this emotion. Just be aware of it. I know a lot of my emotions are in my gut. Oftentimes in my shoulders and my neck. Where do yours sit? Just be aware. If you can locate that feeling, perhaps just say to yourself simply, it's okay. It's okay. Whatever it is, it is okay. I can feel this without holding on to it or creating a story around it. Whatever it is, it is okay. Deep breath. You might notice yourself resisting or maybe even bypassing these emotions. Maybe you feel like you're getting caught up in the story again, reliving feelings of rage, helplessness, shame, or humiliation. Just acknowledge it. Acknowledge these ways we've been conditioned by our emotions and by our stories. It's okay. Whatever it is, it is okay. And if you feel overwhelmed by the emotions, use the awareness of your breath. Come back to it. In and out. And anchor your attention on your body. This helps us return to the mindful present. Now, if you find yourself thinking, I will always feel this way, or if I were stronger or more patient or kinder, I wouldn't feel this way. Just return to the simple truth of the present moment. The present moment is the only reality we know. See if you can observe that the emotion is fleeting. It's quite literally 90 seconds of your experience. It is temporary. It is not your total self. It is but a moment in your life story. Deep breath and let out. Now when you're ready, slowly open your eyes, take another deep breath, 
and relax. I hope that was helpful. Um, wiggle it out. <laughs> this past week, I have reintroduced a morning ritual. Um, Mornings are always kind of tough, especially with school, with kids doing school from home, with having to work from home. It's a little bit tough, but I've made it a point rather than waiting a little bit later when I've normally done some kind of a, of a meditation. Um, I've made it a point to like be up at six o'clock in the morning, which is kind of hard for me. I love my bed, um, but I've made it a point to get up in the morning um, do some stretching, do some meditating, and also um, do a little bit of a tarot poll. Now, I have folks probably still watching on this live right now that are a lot better at this than I am. So, um, But I wanted to share this with you guys because for a very particular reason, these are the two that I use. Um, it's called the Empathic Oracle, which is probably my favorite thing that I've maybe ever bought. And I love it. And this is the Osho Zen Tarot. Now, the reason why I bring this up with 10 minutes left is because it's about story. These cards, nor anybody that would try to read or interpret them for you. There is only as good as the story that you internalize about them. Does that make sense? It's not fortune telling. It is not something deeper or even sinister. Sorry, I'm laughing as I say that word. It's, Nothing like that. Let me show you, just give you an idea of what I mean. <clears throat> well, here's perfect one. It came right up. Imagine that. So if I pulled this card, present. There's a little plant. If I pulled this card, this helps me create a positive story about where I'm feeling right now in this present. It's not about the past. It's not about the future. It is about right now. And it would speak to me through the symbolism that I apply to it, through the meaning that I extract from it because of my present experience. Nothing more than that. And I've been taking a card every morning and writing for a little bit. And these are the types of, of disciplines, really, that I think are so incredibly helpful when it comes to really truly understanding our emotions. Because at the end of the day, y'all, that's what this is about. We can deepen our, our understanding of others. We can um, have uh, more transparent and vulnerable relationships. Um, all of those things are at the fingertips of the empath who first understands themselves. And that's why I kind of have gravitated to this idea of mindfulness 
because I've just found it so incredibly helpful for me to really, you know, find what's going on with me inside. And in as much as I can do that for myself, I can then see that in others. I think that's all I have for you guys today. I will stick around for these last five minutes. If anybody has any questions, please share. I think I caught everybody. Um, grounding within the humanity of us. Yes. Um, the third way. That's right. Thank you, Lauren. Um, see, and... Lauren, the whole Scorpio new moon thing, I need to, I need to call you. <laughs> I need to understand that better. Um, let me see what Paula said. I see chronic anxiety in my clients because of a sustained threat of life, right? Uh, livelihood and loss. It's imperative I help them find a way to be present even when they are afraid. Mindfulness is so necessary and needed right now. Yeah, y'all, I mean, we're kind of in the middle of the soup, aren't we? We're in the middle of it. Uh, we have the pandemic. Um, we have the, uh, the, the stress of what, has, of what has and continues to go on politically. Um, we have the stress of a, not just the fear of getting sick, um, but also how that's changed our lives. Um, for the moment. Um, and on top of that, we, of course, come into this season of darkness, to be quite uh, honest. Um, there's a lot of potential peril and challenges out there. And that's why I wanted to launch this, um, this conversation during this season. Um, so let me show these again, and then I probably will end today. So if you are curious, the empathic oracle. And here, I'll, here this is what I'll do. Let me, let me just read the commentary for the card that I pulled for um, presence or present and give you an idea of how these are written. And then we can end. So again, present. In the present moment, my presence is powerful and witnessing to all my experience. The present is the opportunity for the empath to witness all that they are in the moment. The emotions, thoughts, and aches and pains all giving clues for healing. As you witness and separate each part of your experience, you can begin to see the interaction between these parts of self, how thought affects emotion, how emotion affects thought, and even how physical pain can affect our energetic well-being. Soon the skill empath learns that a thought is just a thought, and it has no power unless power is given to it. In the moment, emotions can be experienced without the need for being trapped in cycles that are never ending. Y'all, seriously, I did not plan pulling this card. So maybe that is <laughs> the woo-woo-ness of, of it all. I did not plan for this card because that's basically what we just talked about for the last hour. <laughs> oh, boy. In the moment, emotions can be experienced without the need for being trapped in cycles that are never ending. You can't plan that. You cannot plan that. All right, you guys, I think that that's what I've got for today. I love you. Thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for being present. I hope that the meditation was helpful. Um, I made a big boo-boo and uh, neglected to actually record last week's uh, Facebook Live onto my other application where I'm going to put all of the audio files in the podcast feed. Um, so unfortunately, uh, I don't have number two um, in there, but I will do number one, number three, and I will probably 
record the meditation separately. So if you're not currently following the podcast feed, um, you can find that at the Empathy and Podcast Community, or I'll put it into uh, into this page as well. Um, so I will record that meditation individually, so you can have that you know ten minute or however long it was recording to do uh, that meditation if that is helpful to you. Okay, you guys, I love you. Have a beautiful Sunday. Bye.